Stephen Harmison with a slower ball. One of the great balls. That's a big hit. That's going all the way. Robert Sandals comes to the pick. That's on the roof. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Top Edge podcast for another week. We've had a couple of weeks off, so nice and rested, well prepared for a big IPL season. A bunch of other cricket on as well. I'm with Callum once again. Callum, how are you? And uh, why don't you tell us what we're going to go through over the next hour or so? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm I'm doing well, thanks. Um, Yeah, just... um. Just, just been a bit of a bit of a break, I guess, in between you know different major um, matters of cricket. I mean, cricket never stops, but um, we 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 picked you know a decent opportunity to um to take a little pause, and um, we're right in time for the IPL, which is really exciting. So yeah, um, today we're going to um we're going to go through um basically we're going to do a sort of a mock IPL draft. So we're each going to pick an eleven, but like we can't pick the same players or anything like that. We're just going to run down who we're picking and why and that sort of thing. So that's going to be really fun. We're also going to preview the uh, tournament as a whole and um, what we think is going to happen and how it's going to going to pan out differently to um, last season. So that's also going to be very good. Um, we'll talk about the uh, the ODIs um, because you know that that's that's been the big international cricket that's been on um, between between you know our, our absence between the uh, the two episodes. Um, so. Do do listen in for that. Um, we're gonna have six or out as we always do, and then we're going to uh round it off with a bit of the WPL and uh the Sheffield Shield. So it's um it's gonna be real good. Yep, plenty in this one. That's for sure. It's gonna be probably a little bit longer than usual, but that's all right. The IPL deserves as much time as possible, and especially those ODIs. You know, Australia is clearly better than India in all forms of cricket. Uh, after that series, you know, you're only as good as your last game, and Australia won the last one. That's what you can ask for. Uh, but before we get into the actual content, make sure you leave a rating and review on the show, wherever you listen to that. If you're uh, watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button and watch all the stuff that comes out there. Follow the socials at the Top Edge Podcast. And uh, we have merch now. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I've got a shirt here. Uh, Callum's also wearing his. I am. There you go. I'll put that in the links for everything um, so you can buy those. Get on it. Support the show. Make sure we can keep making it all those kind of good things. Uh, yeah, keep the, keep the show running. But uh, we'll get on to the IPL draft. That's where we're going to kick things off. It's going to be plenty of fun. Uh, we'll start with a coin toss. Callum, do you want heads or tails to pick first? Um, I'll go for tails. I've got a 50-cent coin here. Okay. Big, oh, big 50-cent coin. That's a big one. It, it is a tail to start. It's all yours. Okay. Awesome. Pick Good. Yours. First pick. All right. Um, so not going to think too long about this one. I've also got a little draft board. In case you sabotage my picks, um, so I've um gone um for Coley first. Um, yeah, because, makes sense. Yes, because he's the best IPL player ever, and I think if he's able to stay healthy, then he's going to have just as big an impact as he has in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that form that kind of was uh, he lost over the last few years looks to be back as well. So that could be a could be a big season for him. I've gone. Uh, pretty safe with my pick, Josh Butler. He's yeah. the, the number one run scorer last year, hit four centuries in what was a, one of the best seasons of all time. So you can't go wrong with Butler. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, my second pick is um, Hardik Pandya because um, he had a fantastic season last year. Um, he's an all-rounder who in T20 seems to have equal proficiencies on both sides, which is kind of impressive considering how huge his batting is. And, um, you know, 
he's 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 a leader on his team and um he's going to be hugely influential this season again so um that's that's who i've gone with on on that front uh, i've also gone a pace bowling all-rounder or the one that's more of a, a batter i would uh, assume venkatesh Iyer. he had a very good season last couple for kkr a uh, little bit underrated. He doesn't quite cost as much as the rest of the guys in this uh, IPL fantasy competition. So I think he's one to look out for. Also gives me some cash for some big names to come. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's also a good pick. Um, next up, I've gone with Gill, Shubman Gill. Um, kind of going heavy at the top in terms of great talents, but I just think um, it's it's kind of kind of the best in terms of what you want from an 11 and um, just, I, f- I feel Gill's just such an exciting, talented young player. He, he can, he can do no wrong when it comes to developing his cricket and that sort of thing. Um, so I think he's kind of a must have in this team. Yeah. I think a, a very sensible pick, someone that's going to be very good for a long time. I was going to go with Sky, but I think the form he showed, well, he only faced three balls in those ODIs. We'll get onto that later, but I just don't think he's quite at the level he was in the last few years. So I've gone pretty sure for my number three pick, I think for Delhi, especially with Pants obviously not playing in the tournament. I think he's going to be a massive uh, contributor for them and one that will be playing for India uh, sooner rather than later again. Yeah, sure. It's a good pick. Um, one scratch scratched off my list, but oh well. Um, next up, I'm taking um, Ishan Kishan because I think he's going to be the best scoring wicketkeeper and you need a wicketkeeper. Yeah, no, that's a, a good call. I think he's uh, very talented and should be playing more for India. Uh, Jofra Archer with the ball for me. Uh, he's obviously came back. For England against uh, South Africa, and he did well in Bangladesh as well. He seems to be back at peak fitness. You know, no Bumrah for uh, Mumbai either, so he'll get plenty of game time and he'll probably take a lot of wickets. I think he's taken three uh, in four of his last six games, something like that. So, uh, yeah, pretty safe pick, Joffre. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good pick. Um, next up, I've gone with Mitch Marsh, um, another um, all-rounder. Um, I think he's going to have a big impact. I think in terms of internationals, he's going to be really, really strong. And um, I think he he's he's expensive-ish, but he's he, he's he's worth every every penny, really. Uh, I've gone Glenn Phillips next from New Zealand. I think that Sunrisers are a little bit weaker than some of these other teams. I don't think they're going to have a great year. Uh, he bats, he bowls, he also he keeps, he pretty much does it all. Uh, he's been very good for New Zealand over the last 12 months. Uh, yeah, he's got to play. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Um, where are we up to now? Are we about six? Um, yeah, six, yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, so um, next up, I need a little more quality um, at, um, in terms of bowling. Um, so I've gone international again, and I've gone with Nathan Ellis. Yep. Um, I think the thing about Ellis is he just has a knack for taking wickets, and the more wickets you get, the better it's going to be. Yep. And... Um, He's maybe he, he's still running a little bit under the radar in terms of international players because he doesn't play at an international level as much as you know some of the other internationals we see coming in. You know, Absolutely. every international we've picked so far are all mainstays of their international teams, right? Whereas we don't really see Ellis, which is a bit of a travesty in itself. Um, and uh, he's gonna once again have that chip on his shoulder and prove why he's one of the most elite T20 players in the world. Yes, yeah, so I think we'll be seeing a lot more of him as Australia look to go more specialist in T20 cricket before the next World Cup. Uh, next up for me, someone who's in ridiculous form, Harry Brook, also at Sunrisers. I think he's going to play. He'll definitely be playing every game. He's ridiculously talented. Uh, what Just one of the best batters in the world at the moment. Yep, 
Yep, that's a that's a fair pick. Very, very good. I'm gonna have a huge impact this season. Um, next up, I've gone with Shami. Um, deed quality of bowling. He's the yep. best fast bowler in India. Some people would say Siraj, and you know, there's a decent argument for it, especially in T20 with the numbers he puts up. Mm-hmm. But I just think Shami is the most consistent, and um, I think I think in T20 pace bowling is really, really important. So that's why I've made made that pick. Yeah, I've also gone for a pace bowler here, Umash Yadav. Uh, mm-hmm. Lockie Ferguson's no longer at KKR. I think that they're going to need someone who's got that extra little bit of pace. We saw it during the Test Series, uh, and he's very good in T20 cricket as well. So one that I'm sure you'll like. You talked about Umesh Yadav a lot over the last couple of months. I do love Umesh Yadav. He was my next pick. Um, so that's unfortunate, but oh well. Um Let's see, what can I go as an alternative? Um, I'll go with another Yardov. I'll go with Cool Deep. Um, I need a spin bowler in my team. Um, and I think the unpredictable nature of Yardov's bowling serves really well in T20. Mm-hmm. And um, Cool Deep in particular has a knows how to vary his length enough that really throws off batsmen. Um, which is weird when you think about a spin bowler, but he seems to do it really, really well. So I think he's going to have a big impact this season. Yeah. Uh, another spin bowler for me here. I took the leading run score early. I'll take the leading wicket taker. Chahal, uh, once again, leg spinners just take a lot of wickets in the IPL. He'll be very good. And uh, for Rajasthan, I'm sure they'll be uh, looking after him plenty as he tries to uh, beat his record from last season. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call, good call. Um, Yeah, Chahal's been great at these past few seasons as well. Um, So my next pick um, is probably not a surprise to regular listeners of the show. It's Sean Abbott. Abbott. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Sean Abbott. Um, he, 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 yet again, fits with my theme. He's a pace bowling all-rounder, except he's more more of a, on the bowling side of things, yeah. which um, helps out with the balance of the lineup and that sort of thing. And um, regardless of where he plays and what position they bowl him in, he does take wickets. Yeah, very true. Like Sean Abbott's a very good player. Probably not. He doesn't like have the the skills that get you attention, right? He's not super fast, or he doesn't like bowl balls that swing around corners. But he does just enough in pretty much every discipline to be pretty effective. That's a good pick. Uh, I'm going to take Guy Quad as my last batter uh, for CSK. Mm. I think they're a very old side, CSK. Um, with MS Dhoni captaining at what he's like 48 years old. So, uh, yeah, I think he'll be important at the top of the order. He'll be playing for India again soon, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Where are we up to now? Is it 10? We've got two left, yeah. Two left, yep. Cool. All right. Um, who do I still have on my board? Oh, yeah, this is um, – I'm shocked he hasn't gone already. That's Jadeja. Um, yeah. Jadeja – He's gotten to the point where he's a he's a true all rounder. He can bat and he can bowl. Um, I don't know how good he is going to be with bowling. I feel like players, particularly in the IPL, have kind of figured him out a bit in terms of what he offers with the ball. But with the bat, he's really dynamic and he can really swing the balance of a game. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's right. I think the issues with him were you know the injury last year and then. Also, like having the captaincy to start with, and MS only mm. wanting it back, and then him not wanting to play, uh, some issues there. So, uh, yeah, good pick, but uh, I'm not sure how it's going to end up. Uh, mm. Umran Malik, the fast bowler, I'm going to take next. I think he's going to be 
very exciting. Only another like another year on from the breakout season last year. He's now played for India a bunch of times, becoming a regular in that team. Uh, yeah, super fast. Takes wickets. Pretty simple. Yeah. Yep. Simple. Effective. It's perfect. Um, my last pick is going to be um, the uh, left armer Ashdeep Singh. Um, I think he he offers something different in terms of pace bowling being a left armer, and you don't see all that much of it. Even these days in the IPL, you don't see too many left armers. Um, he's played at international level. He's only 24. He, he keeps getting better each season. Um, he went for... I can't remember how many crore he went for this year, but it was quite a bit. And um, I think he's going to prove that he's even better than what his price tag was. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a good call. My last pick, I've got Natishirana. He was announced as KKR captain. Uh, I think that was yesterday or the day before. Uh, just consistent player through the middle. Uh, KKR, probably not one of the better teams, so he'll probably get a lot of game time and will also bowl a little bit as well. So, uh, yeah, that's the 11. Why don't you go through yours first? Yeah, um, so let's go in reverse order, I suppose. So we got Ashdeep, um, Jadeja. Um, I went with Shami. Yep. Um, Mitch Marsh is there. Kuldeep Yadav is there. There you go. There's orders all over the place, but it's fine. Um, Pandya, Kohli. Um, oh, who else did I pick? <laughs> um, who else is on this list? <laughs> I should have written this down as I was picking it. That's okay. Kishan. Kishan is also there, my wicket keeper. Um, apologies to who I've omitted there. <laughs> That's right. I've got all of my 11 here. I've got Josh Butler with the gloves, uh, Priffy Shaw, Glenn Phillips, Harry Brook, and Guy Quad as batters. A couple of all-rounders in Venkatesh, Ayer, and Nitish Rana. And then the bowlers, Jofra Archie, Umesh Yadav, Jahal, and Malik. So I've got probably the mm. three quickest bowlers in the IPL and the best spinner. Uh, you would be pretty happy with that. Um they're two very quality teams. I think it just shows the IPL is essentially just 10 all-star teams, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking at everyone on my on my board, like that's how I how I ordered it in terms of who I would pick and who I'll pick if you picked someone else. Um, and yeah. I would take anyone on this list, you know. Nortia didn't get picked. He's Rohit incredible. Sharma. Sharma didn't get picked. Livingston didn't get picked. Yeah. Tim Davis. Surya Yadav, mm. he has so many incredible players um, in the IPL that you could you could probably pick, pick a best 11 four times over and they'd all have a chance at being the best 11. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to the previews, though, of uh, the different teams. Uh, obviously, Gujarat won last year, being Rajasthan in the final. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with Gujarat. Uh, I think they're going to be look just as good as last year. Matthew Wade's one of the big questions for me, though. Is he as good this year as he was last year? I think he was striking at like 120 through the tournament last year, which probably wasn't good enough. They don't have very like a very uh, deep keeping lineup, though. Good right? They've got Matthew Wade, they've got Saha and KS Barat, so two mm-hmm. like specialist Glovemen and Matthew Wade. Yeah. So it's just going to depend on how how the batting lineup uh, works out. They they want to go with the extra batting of Wade. All those uh, those guys that are better with the gloves also depend on pitches a little bit as well. I think with mm. this this tournament actually traveling around the country instead of being in bubbles as it was last year as well. Uh, Rashid Khan there, obviously a massive one. And then Josh Little, the Irishman. I'll be interested to see if he gets any any time at all. So lots of bowling options there, like Hardik Pandya as well, obviously the captain. He'll probably be taking the new ball as he has been for India. And then the batting... Yeah, a little bit light on as well. Matthew Wade up the top of the order didn't quite work last year, even though he played pretty much every game. 
Uh, the batter to watch, though, or the player to watch, Shubman Gill, uh, mm. absolute freak. Like, he's going to be one of the best in the world in, what, three, four years' time. Uh, he's yeah. already getting there. He's got a, you know, an ODI double hundred. Is in pretty much every form now for India. So, uh, I think they'll be good. I'm not quite sure if they'll be able to replicate a winning uh, a winning season, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I completely agree with you. Um, I think they'll definitely be in those top four spots. Whether they'll be at the very top again, it's going to be be harder to tell because I think the quality's caught up to them um, a fair bit. Um, what I think is particularly interesting is Kane Williamson. Mm. Um, so you mentioned Wade and his form kind of, you know, being a bit mixed and that sort of thing. Um, I could 100% see them going with playing Williamson. You know, they spent two crore on him, which is a pretty good deal for Williamson. And he's starting to pick up his form again in international cricket. So now's probably the time for him to prove, you know, he is that massive New Zealand attraction and, you know, end up making more money next year. Yeah, I think he's a underrated T20 player. And now that his form's back in all formats, as you said, you know, Test cricket is back to number one in the world now. I, I think he'll be very dangerous. Uh, next up, Rajasthan. These are the guys to beat for me. I think their, their batting lineup is ridiculous. You know, uh, Josh Butler there, Sanju Sampson, they're two of the best in the world. And then you've got Hetmeyer there as well. Even Ashwin batting down at like seven or eight is uh, can be dangerous. Paddock also a very good batter. So they've got plenty of options there. Their internationals are also very good. Butler, yeah. Jason Holder, uh, Joe Roots there, which will be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Mm. Adam Zampa as well. Trent uh, Bolt. Trent yeah. Bolt, yeah. Well, mm. And arrested Trent Bolt as well. So, mm. you know, he hasn't played for New Zealand for a little while there. Uh, plenty of good options there. Adam Zampa, the one to watch for me. A bit of Australian bias there, but he hasn't played in the IPL for a little while. Obviously pulled out from playing for RCB during that COVID season. Uh, and, he, you know, he didn't get picked up again, which you can read into if you'd like. But, uh, yeah, I think he'll have a very good season. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Um, my player to watch is Samson. He's entering his prime. Yeah. Um, he's wanted to to enter into the international teams um, as, like, a mainstay for a while. And um, I think this will be the year where he just absolutely smashes it with the bat and um, really, really gives the Indians like his headaches in terms of who they're going to take with their batting lineup. Because Samson has the quality and the talent to be that kind of player. And um, I think the way Rajasthan's going, he he might, you know, lead them all the way. Yeah, I think that could be the case. Uh, Lucknow up next. I think these guys are going down. I was surprised they performed as well as they did last year, to be honest. Um, K.R. Rahul now is definitely out of form, right? Dropped from the test team. Uh, did okay on those ODIs, but that's a little bit different. T20 stuff as well, you know, mm. criticism around being a selfish batter in T20s, all that kind of thing. Uh, they paid way too much for Puran as well, 16 crawl for Puran. He's just not that good for me. Uh, he doesn't, like, he can hit the ball hard, we all know that, but he doesn't put up big scores that you need to, like a Joss Butler does for Rajasthan. So I think that that's one of the issues there. Uh, Marcus Stoinis and, and Krunal Pandey are the all-rounders. Neither of them are really true all-rounders, right? Like Pandey is more of a bowling all-rounder. And then Stoinis, as much as Australia tried to give him like the, the first over or the last over of T20s, it doesn't work. He's a, he's a batter. That's what he is. And even then he doesn't score massive scores outside of the big bash, I guess. Uh, the IPL is a little bit different. So... Yeah, a team that are going down for me. Bishnoi is a very good bowler, though, so he could he could easily bowl them uh, to, to victory throughout the season. Uh, the one to watch, though, Dukok, he's coming off a century in the ridiculous T20s just out of uh, South Africa against the West Indies, uh, a series that saw 
I don't know, thousands and thousands of runs in, in a three-match game. So, uh, yeah, he's the one to watch. But a team that's I just don't think is going to perform uh, as well as it did last year. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same. Um, I'm not excited by that many of their international players. Yeah. And um, I agree with you in terms of they overpaid. They paid, you know, you said, you said 16 core for Puran, 17 core for KL Rahul. I mean, Rahul was incredible last year, but he's had a bit of shaky form. He's kind of devoid of confidence. How impactful is he going to be this season? Um, what I am looking forward to is Mark Wood. Um you know, we mentioned Nortia a little bit earlier, and yeah. I think Wood has has a similar impact. And I think, you know, regardless of where you're bowling, if you bowl over 150 kilometers rather consistently, yeah. you're going to be having an impact. So it'll be interesting to see what Mark Wood can do for that team. Yes, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 158 for the RPL as well, because they just like to turn the dial up a little bit, as we saw mm. with Elise Perry bowling 131 during yes. the WPL. I can guarantee you she hasn't hit anything like that in the last 10 years. Uh, next up, we've got RCB, the most interesting team in the IPL that just can't hmm. seem to get it done for some reason. Uh, obviously, Virat Kohli is the main draw card, right? Uh, one of the best players in the world. And as you said earlier, uh, in some good form, Glenn Maxwell is injured. It looks like he's going to miss at least the first game, maybe a couple of games. Uh, we had a broken leg. Now there's an arm injury, so things aren't going well for Maxwell. Uh, Duplessis. Yes, he was very good last year, but he's also, what, 39, almost 40 years old now. Mm. Did a great job as captain, but probably not quite the batter he used to be either. Uh, same with Dinesh Kartik, right? This will probably be his last yeah. season as well. Yeah. Um, they, they've got other, like, wicket-keeping options if things don't go well. They can bring Finn Allen in, but then, of course, that takes up a, uh, an international spot. So perhaps Finn Allen starts with Maxwell out. They're bowling interesting they've got Topley and Willie as the couple of uh English all-rounders yeah. in there that's um that'll be fun to watch mm. Michael Bracewell came in late uh he's a replacement player I'm like I'm not quite sold on Bracewell on Indian pitches he might do well the spin might be okay he does hit a long ball but uh yeah not not quite there for me very pace bowling heavy with Siraj in there and also Josh Hazelwood's there uh, who's the other one they've got? Harshal Patel there as well. So yeah, plenty yeah. of options. Uh, Anuj Rawat, the one to watch for me, though. He's a you know another week-keeping batter. 3.4 crawl they paid for him. So like middling money for the IPL there. Mm. I, I think he's definitely the natural successor to DK next season and he'll probably get a couple of games this year as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the interesting thing about RCB is that they're, they're aging. You know, all of the ace players you think of, the youngest one would be like, 28 you know yeah. something like that um so you know that they're not they're not young men anymore siraj himself is 29 um and you know you, you, still, you think about him as that young upcoming fast bowler he's 29 <laughs> um he's going to be great though and he's my one to watch um i think he wants to prove that he is the best short form t20 bowler not just in in india but in the world and this is definitely the stage that he can do that um he, at least, at the very least in my eyes, he has a point to prove in terms of I picked Chami over him, but um, <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a very talented, talented player. Um, and not only does he take a lot of wickets, he takes really impactful wickets. And I think there's something to be said about getting really key wickets, you know. Whenever there's a scalp that they need to have, they bring on Shiraj, and Siraj makes it happen. So um, that's definitely definitely kind of who I'm looking at when I'm 
examining that team. I, I think Siraj and Sammy, uh, Shami are really interesting in that India just plays so much international cricket. You don't really see them playing T20s because, you know, they play they play all the test matches effectively. At least mm. one of them will play every test. Uh, and that means they just don't get picked as often for T20 tournaments with stuff starting like a day or two days after a test tour. It's just unrealistic. So the, the IPL is really their chance to push forward some some white ball credentials, especially with a World Cup coming up mm. uh, in India in October and November. Uh, next up, we've got Delhi, uh, Ricky Ponting's team. That's probably what I know it as, you know, Ricky Ponting's team. Uh, he, he could probably go out there and bat and make just as much runs as everyone else. Yeah, uh, <laughs> obviously, the big headline there is no Rishabh Pant. Obviously, the, the car crash there has kept him out. We don't know for how long, hopefully back for next year, which means they're down a wicketkeeper. Uh, there's been some some thought, uh, some talk about different players that could come in. You know, you still want a quality player coming in to replace Pant. So perhaps I've seen even David Warner could take the gloves, but I think in the end it'll be Safraz Khan, mm. who's, you know, the domestic batter who averages about 900 in the Ranji Trophy but can't get a test. Uh, I think he'll be playing every IPL game, though, as they look for a keeper. In- interesting they didn't bring one in. They've also got Phil Salt. If they, they do want, have Salt, yeah. Yeah, if they want to try to use one of their international slots there. But with David Warner and Mitch Marsh both up the top order, do you really want, you know, Marsh, Warner, and then... Uh, Phil Salt is your top three. You really because you really want Nortier playing as well. Exactly, you need Nortier mm. playing. Then you've got even like Riley Rousseau. Mm. Uh, they've got so many different options there. Mustafiz Rahim, uh, yeah, another another bowling option. You know, so they don't want to they don't want to load up on those top three internationals if, if they can avoid it. But with the keeping spot, you might not be able to at some point. Uh, pretty sure the one to watch for me though, mm. um, another kind of like Gill, right? They're fighting for that position. Eventually, yeah. I think it'll be both of them opening the batting for India. It's just about when they do it, right? But, yeah, I think Shaw, he's been knocking on the door for a long time. Uh, it doesn't seem as liked by the the Indian, uh, like, uh, selectors, the establishment there. But uh, I think, you know, weight of runs will just will make it impossible not to select him at some point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Prithvi Shaw is another one of those is really on the up. Um, and every year you see him, he keeps getting better. Yep. It's interesting to think that he's just been like so relevant and on everyone's mind since he's like been a teenager. Yes. Um, and he's still only twenty three. He's younger than us. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's just just this really high level player. Um, my pick to watch for that team is um actually Mustafiza. <laughs> Um, I think he's the best Bangladesh bowler. Oh, yeah. And um, I think they've noticed that and identified he's 27. He's still going to keep getting better. Bangladesh are always really competitive when they play anyone internationally. And he's a huge reason for that. So I think if they can, they're going to try and do two overseas batting and two overseas bowlers. And those bowlers are likely going to be Nortia and Mustafiza and if that happens, they're both going to have some really key overs. And if Mustafiza, you know, being that left armor as well, is able to have as profound an impact as we know left armors can in the IPL, then that could be really, really big for them. I think Delhi are a really solid team. Like, I think they should have done better than they did last year. Uh, they were just kind of inconsistent. They couldn't win two games in a row, which was a bit of their issue. Uh, Punjab up next, This uh, the Kings 
which I don't know, it should, they should just change it back to Kings Eleven. I preferred that. Uh, a very good squad, I think. Uh, Livingston, mm. obviously, there. Matt Short, who we'll talk about in a second. Uh, he's a, a late replacement who I think is going to play every game. Uh, Shika Darwin's the one for me to Darwin, look out yeah. for, though. Mm-hmm. Is, is he still good enough to play at this level? I know he's like he's been captaining India up until like the start of this year when when Hardik Pandya officially took over there. He doesn't live in India anymore. He lives he, like he lives out of Melbourne. So this he's kind of like another international player, but he does get the captain, which is good. Uh, I'm sure he'll hit plenty of runs. Uh, Rabada there, he'll play every game. He's very good. Harpreet Brai is one to look out for, I think. Another very good uh, bowler coming through for India. They've got plenty mm. of them, that's for sure. They could you know, pick 11 out of bowlers. Sam Curran at 18.5 crore, though, that's probably overpaying for Sam Curran, I would have thought. Uh, he's a very good bowler. Uh, his batting probably not quite up to it for that kind of money. And obviously, Bear Stowe out, which is why Matt Short's uh, there. Matt Short is my player to watch. Had a, some, a couple of great big bashes. He's done it in uh, red ball cricket as well as of late. Hit some Sheffield Shield centuries at a runner ball. Yeah. Uh, 50 over cricket does it as well. I think he's going to hit a lot of runs. He's going to be playing for Australia by the end of the year. And he's going to uh, lead Australia to the next T20 World Cup. Yep, I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, yeah, they overspent for Curran, definitely, but they got pretty good value on the rest of their international picks. Yeah. They got Livingston for 11.5, which I feel is actually lower than I, I expected. Just, yeah. But Liam, Liam Livingston. Yeah. Um, Sikanda Raza for 50 lakh. <laughs> Very good selection, isn't it? Fantastic. He's he's a really good player, really good all rounder as well. So you know, really great thing to have. I got Ellis for seventy five lakh as well, and you know, we spoke about how how big Ellis can be. Um, my player to watch um is actually that other spin bowler. It's um Rahul Chahar. Um, he's had a couple of good seasons. He's looked really close to being that you know fantastic leg spin bowler, um in the IPL for Punjab, and I think in terms of you know. They're a little slimmer in terms of full-time spinning options, and I think um, that will give him the chance to have that that big that big impact. He's a leg spinner. We know leg spin does well in IPL. Um, he's not he's not an um, he's not an old player by any means. He's only twenty three. Yeah, and he's already had international experience. So, I think um, he's he's kind of the one to look out for when you're thinking of someone who you maybe wouldn't identify necessarily with the Punjab team, but someone who could end up having a huge impact. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, next up, we've got KKR. These are a, an interesting team for me. I'm not quite sure they're going to do very well. Uh, they've got Sanul Narayan, who's obviously a very good player. Uh, I think he's probably just a little bit past it as well, just like his West Indian uh, comrade Andre Russell. They're, what are they, like 45 each? Uh, they've been <laughs> around for a long time, been playing in these tournaments for a long time. David Weiss is another like older all-rounder they've gone mm. for. He's also mm. pushing 40, having played South Africa and now Namibia. Uh, Lockie Ferguson, fast, essentially. But that, fast, that yes. yeah, it doesn't impress me. But Venkatesh Iyer is the one to watch for me. Mm. Uh, yeah, he's just really, he's really good. His bowling is not that good, but up the top of the order, hits the ball hard, scores runs in the power play, which is important. Uh, in the IPL, he's going to put on some big scores up the top. Trey Asira and Nitish Rana are also very good players. So uh, it's a it's a solid lineup. I just don't think it's one that has the explosiveness to uh, to take it to the top teams in the IPL. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, their internationals don't really jump out at you beyond Southie. And who's to say Southie's going to play all that much? Yeah. Um, 
another one which their higher profile players are all kind of aging. Um, Shreyas and um, Venkatesh Iyer are going to be huge. And if they're going to have a good season, it's going to be on the back of those two. So hopefully um, Shreyas is available as much as they can have him because um, they really um, value his captaincy as well. And um, I think I think it's... <sighs> I think it's going to be a rough season for them. I, I don't know if they're going to have much success. Yeah, I, I would agree there. I just I don't think they're quite at the level of uh, a Rajasthan or a, or a, a Gujarat at this stage, but I think they'll get there. Um, next up, Sunrisers. They're a improved squad this year, I would say. Mm. So they've got Aidan Markram mm. uh, leading the team after he also led uh, in the, the, the essentially Sunrisers team in South Africa. Uh, a much better selection than Kane Williamson. Kane Williamson is a very good player, but probably like Temba Bavuma was in the South African T20 team, not quite at a T20 level where you can give him the captain guarantee uh, every game. So they've got Umar Malik, obviously very fast, Heinrich Carson. So they've got very heavy on South African players here, the Sunrisers, which is <laughs> good to see. They're all very exciting. Adil Rashid, who I'm very interested to see uh, in the IPL, hasn't been selected for a long time, which is, Interesting, considering he's one of the best, uh, one of the best spinners in the world, and has been for a while, and can also throw the bat around at the end if you need to. Famously, has ten first class hundreds. Um, Harry Brook there as well. Harry Brook, the one to watch. Like you can't go past what he's been doing. Essentially, he's been playing T Twenty cricket at Test level and averaging eighty while doing it. So yeah. it's hard to hard to say he won't be doing the same in T Twenties. Uh, Boovy K, the the key bowler for them as well, swings around corners early. Uh, it's whether he can bowl all four overs, like because mm. he obviously can't. The ball stops swinging pretty early. If he can do that, uh, then they'll do okay. But if they can't, then he could be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, Marco Janssen, also an interesting one. I just don't know how they fit all of these South Africans into the lineup. Uh, they've just got so many quality quality options, as well as you know Adil Rashid and, and Harry Brook there. I just don't know who they're going to be able to pick. Yeah, um, I think Hyderabad uh, or Sunrisers Hyderabad. Uh, the most exciting team this season in terms of the changes they've made. You know, they've they've made some really prudent moves um, in terms of they got Agarwal as well, really talented opener, really solid player. Um, and they've got Washington Sundu, who is a really talented-looking inter, um, international-quality young all-rounder, you know. And Sundu is a true all-rounder. He can bat and he can bowl. And... I think, you know, in terms of looking to build India forward, and a lot of the IPL teams do actually have that in mind when they make their selections. Um, Washington Sunder is going to be huge, and that's the reason he's my player to pick. I think if Sunder can get 10 wickets over 250 runs, that'll be a success. Um, but I think he himself, and probably cautiously Sunrisers, will be hoping for more than that. Yeah, I think he's the natural successor to Ashwin. Uh, in pretty much all three formats. So I think if this could be the start of it as Ashwin, you know, starts to age out of the team, then uh, that'll be excellent for Sunrisers and, and for Sundar, who we saw at the Gabba, does pretty well. Uh, CSK up next. MS Dodi still going at uh, 843 years old. He's gonna he's older than he is going to score runs this year, I would have thought. <laughs> uh, he played like two good innings last year, and essentially that's what, well, that and the fact that he's one of the best players to ever play the game. That's what's keeping him around, but... I just feel he's, he's gone on too long. Like, they have other keeping options there. 
Uh, Rodu can take the gloves if needed. Guy Corn yeah. can also take the gloves, and Devin Conway can take the gloves. They're all listed as batters, but they have options. I've seen some people suggest that he's the only keeper in the squad. That's just not true. Yeah, the fact that he's the captain though is what essentially will keep him in the team. I just don't think he needs to be the captain at this stage, though. Rodu's been there for a long time. Moeen Ali's proved that he can be a T20 captain in the past. Yeah. Devin Conway's what thirty odd years old, plenty of experience, plenty of experience for CSK. Uh, he could also take the captaincy. So they've got options if uh, MS Tony just isn't performing. Then, of course, Ben Stokes is there, right? He could easily captain the team. Uh, he's not going to bowl at least in the first half of the IPL. He had an injection in his knee uh, because essentially he couldn't walk towards the end of those New Zealand tests. He's in a little bit of trouble. Uh, and a lot of England fans are very worried that he's even going to this IPL because if he's out for the Ashes, that's a massive loss. Uh, not just for like not having Ben Stokes, but kind of the the environment of that team. So there's plenty of, uh, it's an older team again, like uh, a few of these, a few of these other teams. So just on with experience. Uh, and then there's, you know, Sander and Jadeja, they essentially perform the same role. Mm. It's just a few players that they kind of do the same thing. So there's some clear backups, but this, the starting 11 doesn't look all that strong for me. I picked Jadeja as the one to watch. He's, he was obviously the natural successor as captain, right? He did it last year for a little bit. And then they started losing. They took it off of him. I don't think that was the right thing to do. Uh, and then the injury came. So I think he'll be captain again of that side someday, or unless he, of course, wants a trade, which is always possible after the way that he was treated. So it's all about how Jadeja does and then if Ben Stokes can be fit to bowl. Because to be honest, he's not really one of the best T20 batters in the world, right? He doesn't command 16.25 crore uh, simply as a batter. Like we haven't seen him. Uh, apart from a good innings of the T20, T20 World Cup recently, he's not really known as the best like white ball all-rounder in the world. He's the best test all-rounder in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, it's actually quite an important season for Ben Stokes. Um, he's going to want to basically flip that opinion around and show that he is a very, very good T20 player. So um, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, I think it's really disappointing for CSK that they won't have Jemison this season. Um, I think he would have had a really good season. And yeah. um, it's a shame um, also just in terms of New Zealand cricket that we don't get to see him go over because he's one of those, you know, young rising stars or younger rising stars and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so I didn't really know where to go with CSK. I think they have the caliber of player and, you know, they all have the pedigree to be very successful. But, yeah, are they are they past it? And the other interesting thing about CSK is they like to develop lesser-known players. Yeah. So the player I've got as one to watch is um, Sheikh Rashid. He was vice-captain of India in the Under-19 World Cup. Wow. Um, he's, a, he's a talented – he's 18 years old. He's born in 2004, which Something I can't now. get my head around. Um, yeah, okay. He <laughs> – he, he, he's, he looks like a talented um, batter. He, he's got a good temperament. And um, I don't know if he'll necessarily play all that much, but he's a specialist batsman. And if they choose to use him or one of their other younger players, um, then that could end up having an impact that the other teams wouldn't see coming. September 4, 2004, he was born. That is, uh, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. All right. Uh, <laughs> the last team we've got here is the Mumbai Indians. Uh, I assume you support the Mumbai Indians, right? I do, yes. Yeah, okay, I do not, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Rohit Sharma is obviously the captain there. Jasper Bumrah, uh, not playing, which is massive for Mumbai. Essentially, they they really needed uh, Jasper Bumrah. They do need Jasper Bumrah, and India needs Jasper Bumrah. He's just been bowled into the ground, unfortunately. Uh, Ishan Kishan there, 
He's on some big money. The other one on big money is obviously Cameron Green, over mm. three million Australian dollars. So he's bought half of Perth. Uh, I think him and Adam Gilchrist own most of Perth at this point. Uh, but but that's a massive risk, right? If it comes off, it's a big winner, right? Because he's going to be there for a long time, uh, 10, 15 years, something like that. Uh, but if it doesn't, they've wasted 17.5 crore on someone who is pretty much unproven at T20 level. Even Australia, like we haven't seen him do anything particularly special in the Big Bash. They paid $3 million off two innings uh, in international T20 cricket in India. Uh, and then he didn't do it in Australia. So you know, who knows what happens there? They've obviously got Joffre Archer and Tim David as well. So this is really a, it's, you know, it's the stars, essentially. It's the, it's mm. the best players in the tournament. Jason Berendorf also there for Australia and Tristan Stubbs. So Brevis and Stubbs, along with Tim David, like that's a very strong middle order if you could play them all at once, but I just don't think they're going to be able to. Yeah, they have an interesting problem in that they have, they probably have the best internationals of all the teams. But they've got too many of them. <laughs> so, you know, imagine not playing Tim David, but that's a very real situation that could happen. Yeah. Imagine not playing Joffre Archer. That's a situation that could happen. Um, so it's 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 really interesting to look at um in terms of um what they've got in international talent. So I think if they know how to manage that correctly and all the players understand what expectations are of them, then they could have a decently successful season. I I think they have the potential to get right back up there. That might be a little bit of my personal bias there, but I think they got the potential. And um, I think a big part of that is obviously their local players playing well. So Surya Yadav, Rohit Sharma, players like that. And um, my player to watch is someone who I actually did end up playing with at one point. It's Arjuntan Dulka. Um, <laughs> He was much better than me, inevitably, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, he used to bowl leg spin back then. Um, really to be good. fair, that was a good 11 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, the way he's developed as a player actually has been really impressive. Um, he's he's kind of... I feel he's a bit of an all-rounder. Some people think he's just a bowler. But I think he's, he's at the point in his career where he's going to start playing more and start having more of an impact. And if he knows how to vary his lengths, as we've seen flashes of, um, I think he can be really, really important in terms of Mumbai's wicket-taking potential and in terms of Mumbai's overall effect as a whole 11. Yeah, Mumbai finished last on the table last year. I just don't see that happening again. They're one of the best teams in the competition looking at that. Uh, Mumbai is also the natural team of the Top Edge podcast. It looks like you haven't played against Arjun Tendulkar and obviously me famously scoring seven more runs than Cameron Green in a game when we were 15 years old. Uh, so that, that makes all the difference, right? Uh, I've just written a top seven here, a potential top seven, uh, if this is the way Mumbai wanted to go. They could have Rohit Sharma, Ishan mm-hmm. Kishan, DeWalt Brevis, Sky, Stubbs, Tim David, and then Cameron Green. Like that is a ridiculously strong top seven. My thoughts just looking through this squad is that Mumbai might be planning for a time when the numbers of overseas players you're allowed in the IPL goes up. So we've seen in the women's IPL they can have five if they have a uh, associate player, right? And I just don't see with like with expansion obviously coming, it's going to get bigger and bigger. I feel like the men's competition could also go to five or six internationals at a time and still be pretty comfortable. And if that's the case, then they could easily play all these players at once. And maybe that's the plan. The other plan could be to have, you know, have Brevis and Stubbs on the book so you can trade them for big money later on. 
that's all part of it. And I think that's Mumbai just a step ahead in terms of what the IPL is going to become. It looks like a lot of these other teams are playing T20 cricket or T20 franchise cricket in the way that uh, all the other tournaments around the world are. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of, you pick your players for one season, then you move on. It looks like Mumbai is trying to build something more of akin to an American sport where you're trying to, develop players for big money later mm. on and then bring in those big players like a Cameron Green or whatever you want to do there. So perhaps that's part of the reason. Uh, another one to watch there is Marco Janssen's brother yeah. just because they look the same and it'll be funny to see them bowling to each other. I'm not sure he's going to play, but it'll be fun to, fun to watch. So that's all the teams. We've gone through all the teams. That's, yeah. that's a lot of fun. Let's go through the Australians first because Australian podcast at the end of the day. Uh, I've got a list here. I think I'm missing a couple, but that's okay. Adam Zampers to start with. He's at Rajasthan. Then we've got Cameron Green at Mumbai. Uh, Daniel Sams at Lucknow, David Warner at Delhi. He's also captaining that team. Glenn Maxwell at RCB, Jason Berendorf at Mumbai, Josh Hazelwood also at RCB, Jai Richardson. He's pulled out of the tournament. Some kind of, I think it's a hamstring injury this time. It, mm. it surely be anything with yeah. Jai Richardson. He's made of glass, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marcus Stoinis at Lucknow. Then we've got Matthew Wade at Gujarat, Mitch Marsh at Delhi, Nathan Ellis at Punjab, Tim David at Mumbai, and then Matt Short. Uh, where's Matt Short at? Punjab as well, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, plenty of Australians there, which is good Good to see. Uh, a lot of them retained. There was, there was only four of them sold to the Oxford and then Matt Shaw coming in late. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, plenty of Australian representation, so I'm um, definitely motivation to tune in at those ungodly hours if you have if you have a chance to um because that, that you're likely to see um someone who you're familiar with and someone who we hopefully see have an impact. Um, if you ask me before the tournament, as to who I'd have thought would have had the biggest impact, I'd have said Glenn Maxwell. Um, but with Short there, hopefully he plays. With David there, you could see anything happening. So um, it's going to be a great tournament to see. I'm really interested to see if they bowl Matt Short at all. I think that would be uh, that'll be interesting because I think that's an underrated skill of his. Uh, Steve Smith's also going to be the IPL. Uh, he did a, one of the most awkward videos in the world. A lot oh, of people great, make fun yeah. of Steve Smith. Mm. Uh, I think there's other reasons he's a little bit awkward, but we won't get into that. Uh, he's going to be commentating, though, and I think, like, he's not a natural commentator. That's pretty obvious, right? He, like, he doesn't speak or we saw the video. Yes, it's um, true. <laughs> I'm going to the IPL. Yes. Um, I think the reason he's going there is essentially if someone falls over and breaks an ankle or pulls a hamstring, he's literally a, a phone call away from playing for any of these teams. So I think that's the reason he's going. He's going to be paid. Uh, whether he plays or not, and he'll get the opportunity if someone pulls out. So I think that's pretty much the reason he's going. It's also closer to England when he goes to the county stint rather than flying out mm. from Sydney. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, yeah, it's it's in terms of a business and career decision, it makes all the sense in the world that Steve Smith's going to go over. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he does end up playing. He's He's been part of the IPL for a long, long time. You know, back when he was a spin bowler, he was part of the IPL. Mm. Um, so... You know, it, it almost feels hollow without having him in there as one of the international players. Um, and I think the IPL know that, and they're kind of hoping that there can be a situation that they can bring him in. Yeah. I think that, you know, there was a, a very short list of players uh, for replacements. You know, Bracewell and Shaw are obviously the two that have been ticked off quickly. I think Steve Smith will be right up there if someone needs another batter as well. Uh, we're going to move on. We'll start with your prediction for player of the series, most runs and most wickets. Last season was Joss Butler with 863 and then Jahal with 27, as I already mentioned. Yeah, I want to say Pandya for all, but no, I can't do that. <laughs> um, 
I will say Pandya for runs. I think he's going to have a huge, huge impact. And the volume of runs he can score in such a short amount of time and the consistency at which he can do it is just incredible. Yeah. So um, I'm really excited for Hardik Pandya this, um, this season. Uh, most wickets is really hard to pick, actually. Mm. There's so many really strong, high-quality bowlers um, around the place. Um, yeah. I will come back to that. I'll take a look at who's around and I'll come back to that. And in terms of player of the tournament, um, I think it's possible that Shubman Gill gets it. Um, I think he, as we've said several times, is is very close to being that excellent, amazing, you know, new player. And if this is the season he can do that, then he may end up getting more runs than Pandya, remarkably. And he 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 could be he could be absolutely, absolutely huge. So yeah, I think Shubman Gill's probably a good call there. Um I guess in terms of bowling most wickets. I know I picked Shemi, but I'm gonna go with Siraj. I think Siraj. Interesting. Uh I think it's usually a spinner. So I've got Cordy Piatto for most wickets. I know you picked him in your 11, but I'll, mm. I'll take him for most wickets and give you some extra points there. Uh, for batting, pretty sure for me. I think he's yeah. just dominant, um, and I think he'll be doing very well for Delhi, who I think will move up the table this year. And then player of the tournament, this is what I'm not too sure about. I think I have to go at Rajasthan player because I think they're going to make uh, – I think they're going to win the thing. So I've gone for Sandrew Sampson as mm. uh, as the player of the tournament. Captain C will also play a little bit into that wicket-keeping uh, and then he'll score a lot of runs with the bat as well. So I think that's uh, that's where we're going to wrap up the IPL edition of this. It's gone for about an hour, so that's <laughs> that's good. We'll move on to Australia and India in the ODIs. We'll get through this stuff quickly because it happened quite a while ago at this yeah. point. Uh, the tour finished three all uh, with Australia winning those ODIs. So a pretty good effort from Australia. I think they, they're obviously more dominant than India in that series, and uh, Australia can can take the number one world ranking home pretty comfortably. Yeah, Australia performed much better than I expected them to. 100%. Yeah. And that's great. You know, great for Australian cricket. Um, and, yeah, tying that series is a win. Losing 2-4 would have been a win. That's that's how good um, India can be when they play ODI at home. Um, I don't think they quite played up to their potential. I think there was a couple of performances where they were kind of close to having, like, you know, a really big impact, and it didn't quite happen for them. And that's credit to Australia for being able to stifle that momentum. Um, and I think, you know, they still have some positives to take from it, but it was definitely a more positive series for Australia. Yeah, definitely. The two Mitchells were obviously standouts, Mitch Marsh and then Mitch Stark. Mitch Stark with the ball. Like, I watched all three of these games in their entirety, thankfully getting paid for it because they're up, as we said earlier, they're quite late, these games. Uh, but Mitch Stark, it looked like he was back in 2015. The the way he was, like, the, the rhythm through the crease and then the pace and the swing with the new ball was ridiculous. Like, I haven't seen that since he was bowling to Brennan McCullum in New Zealand in 2015. Like, it was the best I've seen him bowl in a number of years. And then Mitch, Mitch Marsh at the top of the order, mm-hmm. uh, you know, first time he's opened the batting in ODI cricket, and he just smashed everything. Uh, that second ODI where him and Travis Head chased down 120 and 11 overs, that was the most dominant batting I've seen from Australian team ever. And it kind of brings up the question of what do you do with David Warner now? Like, it, it seems like, you know, he's obviously on his way out in test cricket, but it, it looks like white ball cricket, he was going to continue on, right? He was going to make it through at least this World Cup and then potentially onto the next T20 World Cup. Right now, I just don't see where the spot is for him. Like, he batted a four in that last ODI. He did okay. Like, he had 20-odd, something like that. But it wasn't the dominant order you want to see in white ball cricket. And when you've got 
you know, uh, Mitch Marsh, Travis Head, Steve Smith, Marmus in ODI cricket, mm. uh, plenty of other options through the middle order, you know, Tim Davids, you Glenn Maxwell's as well. Uh, it just doesn't, I just don't see why you put David Warner at this point. Yeah, the fact that Sean Abbott looked more convincing with the bat than David Warner did, as much as I love him, kind of tells you all you need to know in terms of his spot in the ODI team. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. He's an incredible, incredible player. and He's done incredible things for Australia. But I think he's had a lot of distractions in terms of, you know, what he can focus on in terms of international cricket and where he's going with his career and that sort of thing. There was the would he be captain saga. Um, and, yeah, I think that's all had taken its toll on him. And at this point, I think he mentally knows that it's probably franchise time for, you know, cashing in late in the career. And... um moving along eventually. Um, I think he'll try and stay around cricket. I'm unsure in what capacity, but I think he will try and stay around. I think he'd like to be a coach. And um, I reckon there's a chance of him being a decent coach. Um, It's just kind of a matter of, you know, where he goes. Does he go to New South Wales? Does he go to somewhere in the Big Bash? Um, Lucky enough for him, he's built such a reputation at the Wells' Oyster after he leaves cricket. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next four or five years. Yeah, there was even some talk about him going into politics after cricket, so maybe that's an option as well. Uh, There's plenty of things on the table, as you said. Yeah, I think this IPL is very important for David Warner. I think if he can if he can score a lot of runs here, then he'd be playing for Australia again. If he can't, then there'll be there'll be questions asked. Uh, The last one I want to talk about in this series was Steve Smith being named captain. Uh, It was was a little bit odd, right? He's not the vice captain in white ball cricket. Uh, Josh Hazelwood captained an ODI in the Australian summer, which everyone also found odd, but there just doesn't seem to be a replacement for Pat Cummins in ODI cricket as of yet. Uh, Alex Carey was the ODI captain for a little bit there. I think it was a West Indies series when Aaron Finch was out. Uh, It seemed like he was the natural successor there. Uh, He was sick in the first game and then Steve Smith got it and then he finished the rest of the series. Uh, It just kind of flew under the radar. Like he did a good job. Obviously they won the series. That's all you can ask, but it just didn't, I don't know. It just didn't make sense to me. No, it didn't feel right, did it? Mm. Um, especially with Alex Carey being in the team. Um, Even like yeah. Travis Head's in that team as well. Mm. And mm. It, it feels like Travis Head is the natural successor to Pat Cummins in two, three, four, five years' time whenever Pat Cummins gives it up. So why not, you know, blood Travis Head now? Yeah, look, um, I think the logic behind it is just even now, I mean, Head's building his reputation um carry kind of you know sits where he sits even now steve smith's reputation is so huge so so big um all over the world and in india in particular um that it just makes the most sense to have him be captain you know even even during the years of his captaincy ban even after he stepped down and everything like that when you thought of Australia, you thought of Steve Smith as the captain. So I think that's ultimately what's affected the decision happening. But yeah, um, from from our perspective and from you know watching Australian cricket develop that perspective, it did feel not quite right. Yeah, the, and the thing is, there's not yeah, there's no shortage of options as we said. The, that top six is full of captaincy options from like Mitch Marsh, who's captained in hmm. the past, to Travis Head. To, to Manus, you could even give the captaincy to. He's done it for Queensland now. 
Uh, and then Glenn Maxwell, of course, who I've pushed for captain for a little while. So there's plenty of options. It just, yeah, it's a little bit odd. Uh, let's move on to six or out. Uh, let's get through the first one here. This is about the Sheffield Shield final and one particular batter's innings. We'll talk about a little bit later as well. Uh, but does the fetishizing of long innings outside of long batting innings outside of a fourth innings for a draw make any sense? Surely a hundred from a hundred balls is worth just as much as a hundred from 300 balls, if not more. It does depend on context, but I agree with you. I think in all forms of cricket, you should be playing to win. I, I do understand and sympathize in situations where you're playing for a draw. I, I understand yeah, but it's in the fans' best interest that everyone's playing for the win, right? Yeah. And it's ultimately in the sport's best interest because it produces the best product on the field. So I think it is. It's frustrating that th- there's all this value put on, like you know, a well hard fought sixty off of three hundred kind of fourth innings performance to to play out to a draw. Um, there's a skill to it, for sure. And it is an important skill. But I think, you know, again, if we want cricket to keep on developing and if we want Australian domestic cricket to remain relevant because it's becoming less and less relevant by the year, we don't want innings like that. Yeah, definitely. It didn't make sense to me, but we'll talk about it more in a second. We will, we will. All right. um, My first question is um, kind of to do with the IPL international players. Um, does the IPL lose some of its mystique if they do end up going to a model where there's six international players allowed in, in its team? Uh, I don't think so. So I think the IPL already is like an all-star contest. It's not really – it's not the same as a T20 blast in the UK or the Big Bash here. I, I just don't think that India owns the IPL anymore. I think it's an international competition and increasingly becoming so as India branches out and they buy, uh, buy franchises in the UAE in America, as we'll talk about, in South Africa. Uh, where else have they got? And probably every other country in the world. CPL, they've got some teams now. Like, I just don't think that India owns the IPL at this point. And with the quality there is around the world, um, I think that, yeah, just opening it up is better. Like, India also has enough quality players, as we looked through the list before, that I just don't, I don't think that there would be 11 internationals in a team. I think that India would be still fielding five or six plays in every one of those teams. It's just about getting rid of those two or three hangers on that aren't quite at the level that the IPL could be at to go to the, to be undisputably the best T20 tournament in the world. Uh, Okay. This is an Australian based one for the IPL. So outside of hardcore fans of the IPL, essentially like Indian expats at this point, uh, the IPL is really yet to crack the Australian market. And then obviously timing is an issue here, but What does the IPL need to do if they want to attract Australian viewers? I think that's, oddly enough, I think that's up to the Australians. If they want the Australian public to be interested in the IPL, then they need to promote it more on their social media. They need to promote it more. I mean, Steve Smith's been trying, so, you know, credit to him for that. Um, But there needs to be kind of more... Australian-centric marketing towards the IPL because I think a lot of the time, like casual Australian fans, fans who are watching the summer, that sort of thing, don't even really realise it's happening. 
which is astounding to think of, you know, this massive international sporting league that you don't know what's going on. Because when you think of other massive international sporting leagues, you know, the biggest sporting leagues in the world of different sports, right? If you think of football, you think of the English Premier League, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, that's not on at a great time for us, but people get up to watch it because that's the kind of impact it has. Same thing with the American sports, the NFL, the NBA. Um, they're so synonymous with the sport as a whole that fans of the sport are going to tune in. So if you can get fans of cricket to tune into the IPL in that same way, then that's kind of the way they need to move forward. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's making it appointment viewing rather than just another T20 competition. Uh, so yeah, I don't I don't know how exactly how they do it, but yeah, as you said, there's Premier League fans that wake up that late at like three a.m. in the morning to watch uh, football. Why can't they do it for cricket? Um, I, I think it'll happen. It's just about when it happens. Yeah. Uh, my last one is IPL again because that's the kind of season we're in. I, I saw today that the IPL, uh, the percentage of money the IPL players get is only seventeen percent of total revenue, where in the NFL it's over seventy percent. Other sporting mm -hmm. leagues are around fifty. Uh, do you think the IPL players firstly deserve and then require a pay rise in order to attract talent to to cricket rather than to uh, to baseball, as we've seen Harry Brook go to over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, look, if they want people to keep playing cricket, because, you know, we've talked about skills maybe translating. Um, mm. Eventually it's going to get to the point where there's going to be so much more money and value in a different sport that great athletes are going to go and great cricketers who love cricket are going to go. There's more money here. That's where I'm going to go. So ultimately that does start with the leagues. So the IPL does probably need to raise it up. Do they need to raise it up that much that soon? Maybe not, not so, but it does need to be a little bit more congruent. It does need to be at least 40, 60, I would say, if not more. Um, just because your players are your whole product. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard to diminish the value of the product that much just, just in terms of, you know, trying to make a profit for broadcasting or anything like that. And broadcasters are important. Yeah. We've we've spoken about that quite a bit. And, you know, broadcasters have a really difficult job trying to promote things and trying to, you know, make sure things run smoothly and at the right time and have all the, you know, the crew and the talent and that sort of thing. And that's not something to be ignored. But I think that's something that needs to work together with the athletes and with the product so that it's it delivers the best the best thing that they can deliver for everybody involved yeah i think if they want to break into the u.s market which is what the next goal of cricket is right like we've seen it with major league cricket and it's what the ipl wants then big money is how to get like uh non-traditional cricket fans involved like if you see that uh, Rohit Sharma is making $14 million for a six-week tournament. I'm going to tune in to see what that sport is. Uh, mm. Like $3 million for Cameron Green just doesn't quite excite the American fans as much as as that big money because they have that big money already in their sports. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. All right, so um, my following question is um, kind of on a different note. Um, with the IPL, seemingly like it's going to be bigger, um, you know, as it's, as it's ever been. Um, does holding it now diminish from what the WPL has accomplished? Well, interesting. No, I think it's, I think it builds into it, right? The WPL mm -hmm. builds into the IPL. I, I think if they were having it at the same time, 
like I think we talked about this during the WBBL last year. There was Australian cricket going on, Australian men's cricket going on during the WBBL, and the focus was kind of off of it. Um, I think it's about allowing these two tournaments to be separate but have equal standing. I think they did that. I think the WBL was excellent, like the mm-hmm. same broadcast, uh, the same grounds, essentially. It was a very good product. They need to bring the boundary ropes out, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's it, – I don't think it diminishes at all. That, and it's also with India, like they can't put it after the men's IPL because of monsoon season, so they have to put it in forwards. Uh, India can play cricket a lot of the year, but not quite 12 months of the year. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's yeah, I think it's the best place to put it. Uh, great, great uh, segue from you there because we're going to talk about the WPL now. Uh, Mumbai won the final, so you'll be happy with that one. Callum, uh, 131 made by Delhi in the final, and then 134 from Mumbai, seven wicket win. Pretty comfortable one at the end there. Hayley Matthews was named player of the series, uh, 271 wickets. And, uh, that'd be a lot of wickets, 271 <laughs> runs and 16 wickets. Nat Silverbrunt player of the final with 60 from 55, keeping the ship nice and steady as Harman Precor finished it off. Uh, Mumbai were probably the best team throughout the tournament. Mm. Uh, they deserved to win. So uh, it, it kind of finished where you wanted it to. And, you know, the tournament starting in Mumbai, finishes in Mumbai with Mumbai winning. That's pretty much all you can ask for. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, the tournament did pan out how it looked like it would pan out after the first two rounds, which, you know, a little bit unfortunate. Um, But in terms of, you know, the prototype of what the WPL could be, I think it delivered in every aspect and more. I think the international players looked great, even particularly in the final, you know, all the top wicket takers, all bar Radha Yadav were international players. And that's a great look for an international league. Um, And I think it's only going to help Indian women's cricket improve. And, you know, as we've, as we've mentioned several times, it's going to help further professionalize women's cricket. Um, It's, it's getting there. It's, it's almost at that level, but once it is at the level where domestic players can go fully professional, and fully commit to to their sport. That's the stage that we're aiming for, and that's this tournament has moved it that much closer to that stage, perhaps even sooner than you'd have maybe expected. And my only worry here is uh, that it was very much the big three countries that did most of the work here. So the top five run scorers are Australian, English, Australian, uh, Indian, and then Hayley Matthews, who is... West Indian, obviously, but is kind of outside of the West Indian setup at this point because the West, the women's team is just no good anymore. And then it's kind of the same thing uh, with the bowlers. So it's really those top three teams that dominated, which is fine. Like, it's probably what we expected before the tournament. But I'd like to see more South Africans, more New Zealanders, uh, you know, Pakistan players I'd love to see there, but that's not going to happen. Um, and no teams really took advantage of the associate loophole either um, mm-hmm. outside of... Uh, the American that played, it was pretty disappointing to see. Like that they allowed an extra international player, and no one took advantage of that. Mm. Um, it, maybe it just didn't work for how they wanted their teams to to line up. But uh, I would have liked to have seen it. Uh, the Australians dominated. Uh, Meg Lanning scored the most runs. Tali McGrath in the top five. Elise Perry top scored for RCB. Uh, there's just so many Australians throughout that. Alyssa Healy very good as well. Grace Harris, who uh, I think we laid the boot into a little bit 
towards the start of the tournament. She definitely um, came out swinging at the end there to finish with an average of 57 and a strike rate of 165. And then with the ball, you know, Hayley Matthews finished on top, so she finished the tournament pretty well as well as starting it well. Uh, Sophie Eccleston, Izzy Wong took a five for towards the end there and a hat-trick, mm-hmm. which was exciting. So there's plenty of good players coming through. Uh, it's definitely the future of the tournament, uh, future of women's cricket. It's it's the way going forward. And I think it could potentially mean that uh, women's international cricket is no longer the highest form of the game, right? Because essentially outside of Australia and India and England, there's no real competition where here you've got five all-star teams going against each other. It's the best of the best all the time. And perhaps this is the way of the future for women's cricket where it's actually women's cricket that becomes more like professional football mm. with club and then country just in World Cups, essentially, where the men's cricket stays international mostly. Yeah, it's possible to go to that model. It'll be interesting to see if, if it does develop that way um, because then it, it will feel like the women's product and the men's product is really quite different, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Um, I will note that there were a couple of players from not those big three that did have an impact. Amelia Kerr, for example, yeah. Marazan Cap. Um, obviously, the South African situation is an interesting one, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, I think I think the WPL has ultimately been a really big positive for for cricket. My only worry here is uh, after this is if India close the doors like they have with the men's cricket and don't allow their women to play in the uh, play in the domestic tournaments around the world, like uh, Armand Preet Kaur and uh, players like that coming out to Australia have been massive for the WBL. Uh, that needs to continue. So hopefully the BCCI allow it to continue because uh, yeah, that's that's what the women's game needs. Hopefully it doesn't doesn't become as politicised as the men's game. Uh, next up, we've got Major League Cricket. Who would have thought that? Cricket from America. So uh, from Australian perspective, Aaron Finch, Mitch Marsh, Marcus Stoinis, and Cameron Gannon, if you remember some domestic cricket from 2014. Mm. Uh, they're the Aussies going over. Cameron Gannon, I believe, is qualified to play for the US at this point. So he's a local, but still we'll, we'll claim as an Australian. Sure. Uh, I believe it's Finch and Marsh who are playing together there in, uh, at San Francisco. And then Stoinis is at Seattle. All the other teams really went heavy on... Uh, there's some English players in there. I know York is going, which is very exciting. I think he could potentially hurt some of these players, to be honest with you, some of the Americans that aren't quite used to facing you know, 155 as Norky bowls uh, on some pitches that won't be that great. But this is going to be a very exciting tournament, I think. And mm. uh, it'll be competition for England. You know, it's the only real tournament in their time zone at this point outside of, you know, some Dutch stuff. There's big money. There's IPL owners, you know, the famously Mumbai Indians, New York, the worst named team in sport. I, I didn't think it could get worse than uh, Cape Town, Mumbai Indians, whatever it is in South Africa. Oh, yeah. One. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but New York, Mumbai Indians is, is not great. Uh, <laughs> America's had issues with calling their teams Indians in the past. Uh, apparently this one's okay, though, so that's all right. Different kind of Indians, I guess. Anyway, uh, Speaking of good team names, though, so the Seattle Walkers, which I'm going to get behind, that's the best the best team in uh, world sport, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, the best name in world sport. And then San, Fran- San Francisco Unicorns, also another very good team. So I like some originality, not the usual stuff we see. It's not all just going to be uh, Texas Super Kings, as I believe it is. Firstly, what is a Super King? Can you explain that to me? I know well, he's what, a king, I, but he's the Super King, you yeah. see. Is, 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 is King Charles a Super King? You'll see this normal king. 
I don't know. You need to ask <laughs> ask to the Chennai ownership. All right, I'll send an email to the Chennai ownership yeah, sure, and sure. to the royal family to find yeah. out if Prince Charles is a king or a super king. It's, what level of king is Charles? Yeah, that's right. Or is he a King's Eleven from Punjab? Who oh, knows? true, yeah, true. There's just so many kings out there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, some, some good team names and like some pretty bad ones in that tournament, so I know who I'll be supporting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I quite like... Um, it, it feels less serious, but in a good way. Yeah. Um, I like that they've gone for these kind of more creative team names because I think it will it'll particularly help young fans get interested. You know, I want to go for the unicorns. That's great. You know, I, re- I really like that. And it's great to see cricket expanding into the USA. Um, and I think um, it's it's more well represented than I kind of expected it to be. Finch going over there, that's really big. Yeah. You know, Stoyness, um, some of the English players who are playing over there as well. Um, it's going to be going to be really cool to see and hopefully hopefully it serves to help develop american cricket and potentially uh canadian cricket you know you see a lot of canadian athletes in american sport and canada has been sort of a presence in cricket for a little bit so if they're able to you know bring some players down and start developing that kind of side as well which has kind of gone by the wayside in the past 15 or so years um and that could be really good as well and it could actually help get a greater presence in the americas than just the west indies which would be great for cricket yeah absolutely i think this is going to be the most important tournament uh cricket tournament in a long time since probably uh the inception of the ipl this could seriously change the game uh, not just for the UK, who's a little bit worried about, you know, they worry about the 100, they worry about pretty much everything, just UK general pessimism. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think this tournament could definitely change things and Aaron Finch going as a pioneer is a good thing. Uh, so the whole tournament is going to be played in Texas, at least the first one, and then they've got grounds for the second season, ideally. Also, like, there's a T20 World Cup, obviously, uh, half being hosted by the USA in 2024. So there's plans for all of that. Uh, so there's the LA Knight Riders, Mumbai Indians, New York, San Francisco Unicorns, Seattle Orcas, Texas Super Kings, and the Washington Freedom. Uh, they've all got stadiums within their own own cities, about 12, uh, 10 to 12,000 each. Uh, so that'll be interesting when that actually does open up. Uh, the Texas Super Kings have Stephen Fleming as coach. That's a, a massive get to start. So there's there's real players coming out to this tournament uh, amongst the, the USA players as well. Uh, so each te- each franchise can have nine overseas players at a time, though. So they, they haven't got that right. Like this, the squads don't allow that. Like this just wasn't the money to be to sign those kind of players. But uh, yeah, it was. It's interesting they've gone for nine as kind of the UAE model. Hopefully, it doesn't get to that point because then you're essentially just playing. Uh, I don't know, just playing a T Twenty tournament without any real. Uh, development in the USA, mm, which is mm. which is obviously the goal. The, the the cricket audience in the USA is already pretty massive. Even for this podcast, it's the third biggest country, and that's pretty consistent across most cricket uh, cricket podcasts, cricket media. It's like ten to fifteen percent of most audiences. So uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting one, and I think it'll be one we'll be looking out for come July once these players are uh, once these players start playing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, look, I think. It's just the nine international players, just in terms of earlier on, yeah, so that they can a get some naturalized Americans who you know go over there like English players who maybe <laughs> won't play for England or Australian players maybe won't play for Australia, and go 
actually, this is a good chance for me to play the game I love at an international level and in, with great facilities. And the facilities do look really good. Um, the pitches are obviously going to take time in terms of um, understanding how to curate them and develop them. But this is an important first step to take. So I think that cricket in the USA has great potential. And as long as they adjust the model as they go along and gradually get more naturalized US players, more local US players, then they can kind of shift it into another one of those incredible spectacles that is American sporting leagues. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun, that's for sure. Uh, next up, we've got the Sheffield Shield final. WA did the triple for the second time in a row. Pretty, uh, well, the first team to ever do that because the Big Bash obviously didn't exist 15 years ago. Uh, pretty convincing win, really. Like, Victoria, just, they obviously beat uh, WA in the week before, but they just couldn't back it up again. Uh, the only thing I really wanted to talk about was Chadra Singer's innings. I mentioned before the game even started that with the way the Sheffield Shield, uh, the bonus points work in terms of first innings and needing to score pretty quickly in case it is a draw, Chad Rissing is probably not the guy you want in your team just because, as we saw, he finished day one on 46. Hmm. Like, I get why you'd want to do that, uh, but a strikeout of 16 is not going to win you many games. You need to still be putting runs on the board. And at the end of the day, Victoria batted 96 overs for only 195 runs. They never put any pressure on the bowlers. Uh, Corey Roccicelli, whose bowl was off spin on the whacker, went for less than a run and over. Like, you just can't allow a spinner on the whacker to go for less than a run and over. It didn't make any sense. Uh, he, he's not He's not even Nathan Lyon. Like, he's not that... He, Australia picked three spinners. They had five different spinners in the squad for this Indian tour, and Roccicelli wasn't one of them. So he's not even the top five spinners in Australia, and he's going for less than one and over in a Sheffield Shield final. It's just... It wasn't good enough. Uh, they didn't put in enough runs, and then WA was pretty easy for them, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I think part of the reason Chandra Singh was so defensive was in the mind of buying as much time as Victoria could mm -hmm. um, because they do have the kind of bowling lineup that, that they had the possibility of winning. Pretty. It didn't pan out that way, um, you know fantastic performance from Ashton Turner yes. and Western Australians have so much quality from top to bottom. Um, so yeah, it was, it was always going to be an uphill battle. I'd say at the beginning, they had a 5% chance of winning. I said, and I think ultimately the way the first innings panned out, it reduced to about a 2% chance. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that Ashton Turner's innings was excellent. 128. I think it's only his fourth or fifth first class hundred. So really a white ball specialist player who was thrown into this team. And when you can throw in someone as good as Ashton Turner into a, a final side, you're doing pretty well. Uh, that WA team just reads like an all-star Sheffield Shield team, you know, from Bancroft to Whiteman to Wiley to Cartwright to Hardy, Turner, Philippi, and then you've got the bowlers, you know, Morris and Paris, who all mm. play for Australia, right? They're all very good. Uh, I'm not saying Victoria doesn't have good players, right? They've got Peter Hanscom and Marcus Harris there and, Will Sutherland, who took five wickets, unfortunately he's injured now. He's meant to have a county stint at Essex. That won't be happening, but uh, he looks a very good player. Another mm. kind of bowling all-rounder in the in the Sean Abbott mould coming through. So they could potentially have a, a time where Australia is playing Cameron Green at six and then Sutherland at seven and mm. Nisa at eight. That would be interesting. Um, but, yeah, they, they just didn't really compete, Victoria, and then it was pretty easy. Nine-wicket win in the end. So WA getting it done once again. Yep. Yep. Um, 
I want to say the Sheffield Shield panned out as we expected it to. The yeah. end did, but the body of it was odd. <laughs> That's true. Um, so I think, you know, as someone from New South Wales, I hope that things change next season. Um, yeah. I'm hoping for wins. That would be nice. <laughs> um, but ultimately, I think the gap in class between WA and the rest of the Sheffield Shield is something that needs to be addressed. Teams need to look at transferring players. Teams need to look at yes. what they're doing with their development system because it can't just keep going like that or people aren't going to watch. Uh, that's right. Barely anyone watches as it is. I think New South Wales, also South Australia, both need to be going after Josh Phillippe. Uh, he does play most Sheffield Shield games, but he is behind Josh Inglis, obviously, when they're both fit and ready to go. So, I think if you have Philippi as your first choice keeper rather than who did New South Wales have this year, Baxter Holt, and then South mm. Australia had Harry Nilsson, and I've talked about Harry Nilsson a bit. Good good keeper, just not quite at the batting level that they need when Travis Head and Alex Carey are both away. So uh, that's something we'll talk about later. Ryan Harris is also going to be the bowling coach of South Australia. That was announced today. Uh, South Australia should have never let Ryan Harris go. Also, Mark Cosgrove, but that's uh, 2010 me speaking, not 2023. <laughs> uh, uh, South Australia were better off for it, though. So they got Gillespie and Harris coaching there. That's a, a couple of handy bowls. Mm, yeah, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have liked to have to have seen them bowl together, but didn't didn't quite pan out. No, that's right. Uh, and we've got the women's Ashes squad, which was announced yesterday. Obviously, a multi-format series, one test, the ODIs and the T20s. Uh, Meg Lenning, the captain, Darcy Brown, Ash Gardner, Kim Garth, the former Island player, getting on the Ashes uh, tour. That's good. Uh, Grace Harris, Alyssa Healy, Jess Jonathan, Alana King, Phoebe Litchfield in the Ashes for the first time. Talia McGrath, Beth Mooney, Elise Perry, Megan Shute, Annabelle Sutherland, and Georgia Wareham. Not really any surprises out of that squad. It's kind of the the ones you'd expect. Phoebe Litchfield said today, I think it was, it might have been yesterday, uh, that what the advantage that she has is a proper batting technique where other T20 batters don't have it. I thought you're only 19, Phoebe. That's a bit of a uh, <laughs> sticking your head above the water a bit early, but uh, is she wrong though? No, no, she's hundred <laughs> percent right. But uh, I also think that Meg Lanning's technique is pretty good. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. real surprise in that squad though. Um, no, no. I'm um, good to see King back. I'm um, good to see King back. Um, obviously, Amanda Jade Wellington will be disappointed to have missed out. Um, mm. That's always the conundrum with the spin bowlers. Um, Wareham, the safe pick, makes sense. That's fine. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Ash Gardner come back after the um, after the IPL and um, seeing, seeing what impact she can have. Um, I think that tournament has been good for her in terms of kind of understanding... Okay, I mean, I am I am this excellent, fantastic player, but there are others who are close to my level and will outperform me in in some situations. So I think she's going to take that and go into the ashes and try and have an absolutely huge impact on both sides. And if she's able to, then that will be fantastic for her, fantastic for Australian cricket. And um, yeah, it's it's um that's probably the most intriguing aspect of that squad. Yeah, I think. Uh... The spinners and then Phoebe Litchfield. I think if any of those play in the test, that'll be interesting. There's just there's so many good batters in that team. I just don't know if Litchfield would get in for the test match. Mm. Uh, that starts on the 22nd of June before the T20s and then ODIs after that. So that will be interesting to see. Australia could get out to a nice early lead with a win in the test. I would expect Australia to win this tour pretty comfortably. 
All right. That's where we're going to wrap things up for the week. A long one there, about an hour and a half or so. That's always good. Uh, There'll be more IPL content coming over the next few weeks. I'll try to think of some interesting things to do. Uh, Leave your questions in the comments or send through an email to tophedgepodcast.gmail.com or hit us up on socials. You can do that at Rory underscore Dennis for me. And Callum, where can they find you? Yep, at Callum underscore Logie on Twitter. Um, I do see it. So if you do mention me, then I'll I'll try and try and get around to it. I might not see it, but I'll I'll try anyway. Uh, (laughs) Leave a rating and review on the podcast if you're listening on Apple or Spotify or one of the other ones that exist at Google's or your Amazon's, uh, if if you're that kind of person. Uh, Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. This has been the Top Edge Podcast. We're going to call stumps and we'll see you all 